I have, yeah. Um, live build-ups and, and stuff, just a couple of times. Um, not pretty good at it. I think it, it <laughs> should be mean? better. But uh, I think it's fun. I think it's super fun. I think it's super yeah. hard because you, you like, can't mess yes, up. You can. Or, like, if you do, I mean, you do, but then you need to know why you're messing up, right? I think that's the hard part about it. Like, it's fine. You're not going to get it right. But at least you have to talk out loud why you're making a mistake. Like, I think that's, I think that's it pretty is. hard in general. Like, sometimes, sometimes you, you build something and then it's not working. And most of the times you kind of know why it's not working and then how to fix it. But when you're building something and then it just like fucks up and then you have no idea why, what are you going to say if you're building life? Like, oh, I just have to fix this, but I have That's no exactly idea how to do it. That's exactly what you're saying. What's wrong with so, that? I, I think I think that I, that puts a lot of pressure, and it's like what pressure? I, I think at least in, that in what my... people think of you. Right? No, 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 no. I don't care about that because I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anything about anything. I just like whatever tools I use, whatever tools I use, I know twenty percent of what's actually possible. Uh -huh. So I don't think that's a problem. What I what I think is that um, you have to have storytelling on what you're saying to people. And if you want to get to a certain point or certain outcome, if you have a goal after the session, let's just like remake how you're going to get to that outcome. So I think that's the hardest part. Just like have, have a start and have an end with a certain outcome and how to get there. I think that if you can do that, then doing live builds and live tutorials is super so fun. That's interesting that you just said that because this is the first time I've heard this and I found it's not the first time I heard it because I was also the recipient of an Airtable expert of, but here's the setup. So, uh, uh I interviewed the top Zapier expert in the world, uh, before this show, um, which will be coming out, which is Andy. And, um, he's like the beast and, uh, He's the guy who gets hired if anyone's looking to outsource Zapier or Integramat or Make. That is that branding is mm -hmm. not great. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's this is he awkward. doesn't do like projects, like engagements or like long terms. All he does is and has more demand than he can even take on. So it's how much he wants to work is he'll charge I didn't you know X amount of money okay to book an appointment that has a certain scope, like uh, what needs to be fixed or built, right? And it's one hour mm -hmm. and he does it live in that hour with them and it records and then sends them the video back, right? I think I added that in, like told me you should probably do that. And oh, so okay. he essentially is building live every, that, that's his job, like one after another, like eight different live yeah. sessions a day. I, I, I found that fascinating. I like that. Yeah, I love that. I think I think that's super useful for both him and his customers because then then you can walk them through. What I really like about doing lives is that you get to walk them through the actual problem instead of the solution. So you just like focus on how to think about the problem, then they will learn how to solve it. And I, and I think the same applies to any any tool. So yeah, that's a great idea. Is that um, unusual? I think it is. When we, I mean, I, I haven't heard about a lot of people doing it all the time. I think people do it once in a while, but not not with everyone. I guess. I guess a lot of people also feel confident spending some time trying out the solution before they share it with someone else, which is also fine. But I love this approach as well, because it's just like yeah. way faster. And you don't have to worry about like both of them, re right? retention, like what goes into like a project is, you know, the project management, all, like that's a whole different like beast, like, you know, like that's a True. person or more. And uh, if you're just fixing these hour long things, you, when you leave work like that, you're done that like nothing care like, that's sure. amazing. And yeah. if they need something in the future, I mean, he, he obviously, 
Yeah. He he obviously must be pretty good yeah. at this. To I be think able he's to, literally the number like he's the number one ranked guy. But, but, yeah. But there's sure. I know other people who do this too. Um he is technically the best, but there are people who are also really good and you know, someone I know at Airtable specifically, and um yeah. they'll charge a couple hundred dollars, you pay it up front. Um, you get on an hour call live, you share screens, they log in, whatever it's recorded, it's sent back to you afterwards and it's fixed whatever you need it fixed or, you know, built. Um, but if you're looking yeah. to like build a product, it's almost for all it's existing user. It's, it's something that an existing product or an existing thing that already, ha- it's not like, like people who are coming to me were like, I want to build um, a, uh, I don't know, a, a B2B marketplace for home cleaning services, like the entire thing, you know, not like, you know, the automation from the onboarding form to, you know, the CRM and email marketing from outside. So I don't know. Um, so really, I, I would, I actually think it's possible to do it with someone just with a problem or an idea, because then what you could what I'm thinking is you could talk to them, you could, you could like teach them how to think about the different possible features they so, would need and what kind of tools they are available, right? Like you just mentioned a CRM and then you just mentioned automation and then you just mentioned like something else. So if they know they need a CRM, a automation, a like pipeline, that's, I guess, good that's my discovery calls who don't even know. That's their, the blueprint is given. You know, like that's the whole thing is like just trying to educate, not sell. But, but I did that once actually where, um, someone's like, I don't need you to do the whole project, do it, but I need help figuring out like, you know, I don't know how to do this certain part or what are the best tools to do it. And so it was more of like, a, I would guide it. It was like coaching almost. And like, I'd guide him through it while he was building it and maybe I'd tweak it and stuff like that. And it it was my favorite thing. It was right. awesome. It was so much easier. Like it was way more enjoyable. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's a lot of people out there that are looking for that. And for some reason, I just only came across it that one time. I, I don't know. Maybe I was seeking bigger yeah. projects for some reason. I don't know. But I like that strategy of, of building, yeah. you know, literally building public. Um, and, uh, yeah. but I, w- I meant more in like an educational form of like, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Aaron or whatever from, uh, Airtable. He does, uh, like hour long live sessions, like literally at what every week or something, like he builds like a whole product. Right. Um, that's ballsy yeah. first of all. And, um, it is, it is. And it's probably making him really, really good, but it's for educational. And he actually started doing that, I think. And yeah. then Airtable hired him to work in their education department. So that just shows you, like, if you become the master of your domain or, like, you become the person recognized for, you know, Notion, productivity, planner, templates, or something like that, that yeah. you might very well be hired by, like, for example, No Code Report, like the newsletter, was writing about Webflow all the time. Yeah. Guess what? because he wanted to work there then he got hired by webflow as a project like it just there's such an abundance yeah. of opportunity and it seems like i hear more often than not that there's nothing or like life's not fair and all this stuff and i think it's never been better to be a human in general like especially professionally yeah. because it's very legitimate to be like if you want to like a digital nomad or like work for yourself work your own hours and like make a good living like unless like i don't know why you need tens of millions of dollars or maybe maybe you want it and if you do that's great but like you know maybe you only need you know 95,000 and you could do that by creating or providing services with codeup with notion and like doing a few projects a week like that's very real and I don't think people understand that. And yeah. a lot of people are using this stuff either internally for their business or by themselves. And they want to work on their own, but don't know how to do it. But 
they're actually doing it. They just don't know. Like, I don't know why they don't know, but that there is such a huge demand. It's, it's endless yeah. and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you could provide value to some other entrepreneur or, or even a business in some sort, especially with automation or some new, especially internal stuff, like internal tools is the biggest need ever because mm -hmm. it usually sucks. Like the retools of the world are real smart. Like you can provide a lot of value in terms of like operational efficiency, especially in finance and accounting, especially right. in finance and accounting more than anything, instead of copying and pasting to Google sheets and pulling right. from this database and telling the engineering team to run this report. And they don't want to run that report because they hate talking to finance. And then you got to go chase down the sales team because you know, all this stuff and that stuff can be centralized and you don't need to be technical yeah. at all. You just need to put in some time. And like you said, with what, like you, you just watch videos or, you know, perhaps you, uh, just keep trying and you just work at it, but you don't need to have, you don't need to know anything about code at all. You just need yeah. to know like algebra. I think it will, it, it will eventually happen. I will think it? like we're kind of shifting from a employee economy to a uh, creator economy now, and it will eventually happen. And all the old schoolers like accountants and, and, and like finance people in small companies or whatever, I think they will eventually realize there's a huge opportunity there and then everyone will do it. Um, How does that happen? I think it's just about, right now, I think it's just about time. I think it, it will happen in the next five to 10 years. So hopefully. what does that world look like? Um, and who, in all seriousness, as a consumer, what is what does it look like? Like I need to do my taxes and I don't know how. Am I other just 9 million independent people and I got to go find one or like, is it curate? Like, how does it work? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it. To start with talking about taxes and finances, I think we're going to have so many AI assistants. Mm -hmm. Machine learning all of that, that is going to be so easy, first of all. Secondly, finally, everything is going to be connected through API. So like, you're not going to have to bring data interconnectedness. You're not going to have to bring data from one place to another just to take it, to visualize it to another place. Uh, it's like right now, it's just on, everything's working on silos, right? You have your bank account. And then you have your taxes over here. They don't and talk to each other. Here, and then your credit card here. And they don't talk to each other. And it blows my mind how it's, how messed And in a business, is. when that so doesn't happen, they... when the platforms don't cross, guess what? The humans don't cross. And then they're not on the same page. And then yeah. you can't execute properly when HR is in line with finance and hiring and budget. Like The platforms need to cross for the yeah. humans to cross. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's a technology problem, but we also have a human problem, right? So like, I guess what I mean by human problem is if we get one day to have all of the information under one place, and then we get the best APIs uh -huh. to connect to anything, and then we get the best automation tools at the end, if we get all of that and your AI assistant or whatever, we still need humans to understand the basics of finances and how to run a business. So it's also an educational problem, which means that a lot of business owners right now don't really know how to run a company. They don't really know how to understand that. So if we can get both, like I would bet on both tech companies, but also education companies, because we also need to teach like people how to actually understand their businesses. Because people who are ready professionals. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if we can do both. I think it's just going to be so many opportunities. So I'm with you with half of that. And then I would push back on another part, which is I think what's going to happen is people that, and we're sticking to finance and accounting, there are so many roles and positions that exist where people are simply entering data, doing something they really hate and they don't even enjoy it, but they're behind the computer all day and they're just, you know, putting in, you know, numbers where a robot would be much better than they are, right? And they take no days off or anything like that. But you don't just, automation doesn't just, you know, get rid of that person. 
No, what happens is, and what becomes the only differentiator of any business in the future is when everybody has their accounting systems completely optimized because we have that tech with RPA and iPasses. I believe that we have the optimal accounting system we could possibly have. So eventually every business will be equal. So if they're all equal, well, how do you stand out, right? Then you're going to have operational efficiency that's equal. The only differentiator is going to be one thing, in my opinion, and that's customer service, customer experience. Everything from a technical standpoint is going to be equal for the most part. And so it's reallocating that person who's typing behind the keyboard into, hi, you know, calling um, Jack, hi, Jackie, um, how was your meal today? Or what did you think of your order? Is there anything? I can't believe you ordered the pink shoes again. Did you get the right size? Like that sort of stuff. And that personalized experience is going to be the differentiator. That's my guess. I think they get reallocated to customer yeah. facing roles. People become facing outwards as opposed to behind a computer, which we shouldn't be doing anyways, in my opinion. And and sales, yeah. yeah. And like we've we've been talking about um, tools and platforms and technology, but nothing is going to change without us, right? Yep. The humans. So like, there's sort of a huge my changing mindset that's going to happen from I'm a consumer mm. of all of these platforms to, Oh, I can actually build this for myself and my team. And then that's like, it's going to unblock all of what you that said. That is a very fucking profound statement. Like that's, that's the shift that has to happen. And I think mental that think that's a map. That is a, not a natural mind shift. Like you, you don't naturally go from thinking like I'm a consumer to, oh, we have, we're in this platform of revolution, so to speak, right? And I actually could be on yeah. the other. You don't off, our brains are kind of wired to flip like that. But I, I guess it's just a matter of education. I think they are. I think they are because- Well, humans don't like change. Think about it. When you're a baby, when you're a baby and when you're a kid, you actually build yeah. stuff like you, you build Legos and you like, you play, you like build a puzzle. Like you, when you're a baby and a kid, you're yes. a creator. And then something happens at school that they tell you, no, you stop creating, just shut up and listen to the teacher and just it's like consume. So something is fucked up <laughs> in the education process and school that we go from creators to shut up, sit down, listen and then it happens for eight years so now you're out of school and instead of building something you go to a company and you, and you hate it so and then 30 years later you're like i hated my job which you spent 55 percent of your life doing and you can't go back in time yeah like, you that i never even yeah. thought of that way i'm definitely going to repeat that a lot we're because i always think of like what we are in our purest form and that's at, as young kids, when you don't know it, like that's natural. You're not trying to live up to, you don't know that stuff, society. And you're right. You create. Humans are creative people. And that, but we get programmed yeah. to be a certain way. And what took me a long time to understand is this programming is just something made up by other people who are also just winging it and are definitely no smarter than you or I or anyone else, they're just other people. And who even, like, why are we assuming they're right? Like whoever they are, like, just because something's been done a certain way for a long period of time, doesn't mean it's right. That's where people get confused. Like the length of time something's happened has nothing to do with it being right or wrong. It, it has nothing, it just means yeah. it went on for a long period of time. Okay, okay. why? Why do you feel like the, the longer, it passes the more opportunities to learn or fail. So why do you feel like time doesn't really matter? No, time doesn't matter in the sense of, oh, well, this has been around a hundred years, so it has to be right. Like, got it. No, um, I like, I think we had okay. slavery for thousands of years. I don't think that was really right, you know, but yeah. Yeah. You didn't really think any other way, those people at the time, because that's, that's all they knew. You know, that's just life, how yeah. it was as messed up it is, as it is, but like more so in our, what we're talking about, which is like, especially in accounting and finance, actually more than anything else, 
Ready? Yes. You were did pen and paper bookkeeping, okay? And you had a tremendously successful business. Then Microsoft Excel comes out. And there were people who held on to that pen and paper and were not going to switch to Excel. And then people who switched to Excel ended up taking out those other people because they became way more efficient, right? And then when Excel transformed into, you know, like Zapier and Coda and Notion and, and all this crazy stuff and Airtable, people held on to Excel and that it's, the, you know, not going to change. And now those people get, it's this cyclical thing that keeps happening. It's people get very passionate. They, they get very romantic about what got them to where they were. And what got them to where they were has nothing to do at all with what's going to get you from where you are now to where you want to go. They're just, it's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a biasy. It's a bias in the mind that is totally not logical whatsoever. I mean, it's make it, it's not a, it's not, it just got you to where it did what it did. It has nothing to do with applying it. People get really romantic. Oh, it worked for me up to this point. And also I don't want to learn something new. And yeah. you know, it's almost like, oh, we're going to have self-driving cars. Yeah. And it's like, you know, okay, if you know that's going to happen, you have a choice, right? You have a choice. If you're a taxi driver, let's say, you have a choice. Or Uber's coming, stuff like that. You have a choice. At that time, your choice was you can sign up for Uber and Lyft. Okay? A lot of people stuck to the taxi, though. Um, why? Just because yeah. that's what got them to where they were. And they were comfortable, complacent. And if you know there's going to be self-driving cars and trucks like we do, we know that's going to happen. We know it. We know we're very close. Mm -hmm. It's a decision. You either choose to learn another skill or you don't. And then you suffer the consequences of that and you getting automated out of that job and not being prepared for the next thing. That's a, that's a decision. That's not like an unfairly unjust like surprise. Like this is, you know, this, even if yeah. you're listening to this now and you're just hearing it for the first time, like you still have years to figure out something. And honestly, most likely whatever you're doing right now is not what your true authentic passion is. Probably not. If you can find, which is, it's very hard to find. It's very hard to find. It requires daily consistent habits, like in atomic habits with like James Clear, like, small incremental habits that you were like, oh, this isn't working because you don't see anything in a month. You don't see anything in six months. But every little bit that you do every day, uh, in a year, you get 38% better. How he gets to that 38%, I still I have, I have no idea. I always forget. That it's such a random thing. But uh, it's... How many of your... Talking about passion, how, how many of your friends or colleagues or family members or whoever have found their passion if you could like have a percentage on like all, all of my close friends how many of them are actually working on their passion well there's also like Is there's also like low? within that it's like hey uh jeffrey like are you yeah i'm passionate about doing this you know audit i i'm so pumped but you know, Jeffrey's not telling the truth. So is it, is, uh, are we going by like yeah. our gut feel and kind of? No, I'm going, uh, yeah, All let's right. go for gut feeling. Like we know when someone yeah. is absolutely in love with what And you know, right, you, there's one thing. People can have no emotional intelligence and be really awkward, but every single human for some reason is good at smelling bullshit. <laughs> you can tell yeah. authenticity whether you reckon, people who can't read people for the life of them know when something's not right. They just know. Uh, True. I believe that at least. Um, I would say, well, first of all, I would preface this and say I'm very fortunate that my dad and my brother, I have two brothers. I don't know about one of them, but my dad and my one brother are, are found their passion. They, and so that's what I've been surrounded yeah. by. My dad, absolutely. He's a dentist and he loves yeah. dentistry. The man loves, it's all yeah. he does. He has no hobbies. He, he's like 66 yeah. years okay. old. He's going to work for the next forever. He loves it. Loves it. Yeah. And it's so cool to see. It's like amazing, amazing to see. And I get, I honestly I get, get yeah. like, there's very few things that give me much joy 
than seeing other people get joy out of whatever it is they do or, you know, have to do, you know, to make a living. And they love that thing. Like that's so much of your life. Like when you're pumped, like, guess what? You're going to have better personal relationships. You're going to have better, happier families. You're going to have probably, you know, raise better kids. You're going to be in a better mood. You're like, everything just compounds. The brain doesn't understand compounding. That's what's interesting. Like, and yeah. small writing in a journal every day, your gratitude journal, doing the sauna, take you know, doing the ice bet. You're not going to see any changes for a long time, but you do that every day. You do those little things. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you look like in four years. Like people are so so out of their mind when they predict how much they can get done within a short period of time, like a week, a month, a year. They totally overestimate it. They think it's overestimated. Every person in every scenario, I feel like that I hear, but people do the opposite. They drastically underestimate what they can accomplish in like five years. They totally underestimate what you could do in five years. Five years ago, you said you would never have thought you'd be doing this. You didn't even know about it. And now you're doing it. We're pretty bad at understanding. Oh, we have a horrible relationship with time. Like horrible. Life is so long. People don't get that. But you know, you know what? Because it's, it's kind of unnatural to have a deadline like we're we're kind of i think we were not born to decide on timelines and like decide on like okay in five years i'm going to be doing this and that like in one year i'm going to do well we kind of x and y but you're born with a deadline (laughs) by nature i mean but 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 you never know it i don't want to know and and i think that's amazing yeah like uh, no one wants to know when I think a lot of people do want to know. I think that really would you? I wouldn't, wouldn't, and I don't fear like death or anything like that. But I think a lot of people have anxiety and stuff. People are not good with uncertainty in general. Not everyone, and uncertainty brings anxiety, which brings panic, which brings fear, which all these other emotions, and. that's just because they want to be able to know and plan for what's going to happen. But the only thing that's true about every plan is that to expect that damn plan to not go according to plan. That's the only thing that is going to be consistent with every plan is that it won't be a go according to plan. Right. Like people love planning. Yeah. People love planning. They're, I love people who love planning. Yeah. It fascinates me. It's not about planning. It's <laughs> doing. And then we're all winging it. No one knows what they're doing. If anyone tells you they know what they're yeah. doing, they don't. We're all winging it. That's that's a hard lesson to learn. It's so <laughs> obvious, but at the same time, so hard to learn because everyone says that. Everyone's like, no, like no one has figured it out. And like, if you talk to someone who you consider is successful, they're gonna say like, oh no, I like I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm I'm learning on on the go. Um, but. I don't know why we all think that successful-ish people, uh, to start with, successful, success, being successful is doesn't really mean anything. It's like super subjective. Of course, they're different goals. Success. That's why. That's also why else. you should never compare but, yourself and, to another person because you guys made right. totally different north stars. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the thing. Like once once you learn what worked with others and uh, how they think they consider themselves successful, it's just not going to be the same to you. So it's this, it's just like completely useless, useless to, to even think about it. But anyway, we do it. Like measuring, measuring against other people is, is actually not helpful at all because you're not taking into context of the reasons why they're doing certain things. And that you might be doing it for admiration from others, which is a terrible reason to do something yeah. as opposed to figuring yourself out and being like, I'm doing this because I love to draw red birds. But then you go, Oh my God, I love drawing red birds, but no one's going to buy red bird, my red bird paintings. They're not good. But yeah. then you think about the billions of people that you have access to in an instant on the internet. And there still aren't even a billion plus people on the internet who will be on it in five years. So let's not forget that. And I believe it's just a matter of consistency. And if you just, I don't think the best people, I don't think the people besides really good looking girls that become influencers or, you know, well-known makers, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're the best necessarily. Some are, but 
very rarely are they the best people. No, they're the people who just never stopped. Like when yeah. consistency, but like anything, it's people after general. two years of creating a YouTube video, like every day having three followers still going. And then in year four, they become an overnight success four years in the making. Right. Like it yeah. just takes like, yeah, I always think of how many people stop right before the next one would have been the one, you know what I mean? Like, I think that yeah. happens, but, um, yeah, it's just quality is subjective. Yeah. People don't get that. It's so, sub it, it's, it's subjective. Mm -hmm. You might like the, the, the floor. I might not like the floor. You might like the carpet. I might not like the carpet. It's subjective, right? Quantity is not yeah. subjective. It's measurable and it's very binary. You either do, you don't, you hit the number, you don't. People forget within a set, like people want to, especially artists, they go, I'm not doing this because it's not good enough. And my response is always like, who the fuck are you? I was like, who are you? What are you? The eye of the beholder, everybody? Like you're the one that knows what art is and and you're the one that measures it. Like you're, whoa, I had no idea you had the audacity to say you're the one that recognizes art. And on top of that all, you're not even buying from yourself. So you're not even your own fucking customer. So who gives a shit what you think? Put it out there and just see what they... Well, whenever, whenever you build something, don't you feel the same? Like you have this gut feeling that people will like it or yeah. not. And it's like, it's when, when you build a business, it's, it's the same. Like if, if, if you're not building something that you would be using or kind of proud of, or at least know a couple of people that will be proud of it, then why even build it? It doesn't it the same apply with someone creating no, a piece of art. I would say no. And I'll tell you why, because I believe that, for example, take Michael Jackson, one of the best artists ever, right? Like no one would dispute that. Just yeah. a once in a you know generation type talent, right? How many songs do we did we never hear like the public we that would have been number one hits because he didn't like it, but the market would have loved it. He like like you aren't the you aren't the judge, the jury, and you you're not the whole thing. Like I think that you just have to put it out there and take the L's, take the thumbs downs, you know, take the other. And honestly, you can get mostly thumb downs. You only need a few thumbs ups and you're a success. That's okay. That's interesting point of view. I, I'm not entirely sure I agree. And I would say what would have happened if he released those songs that maybe are not good enough for him, but good enough for part of the market. But then we probably say, okay, that was decent. No, we just wouldn't talk about best. it. And then we think, and, and, then, and then we think Michael Jackson's just an average singer. And then, and then no, that's it. it it's so like, I think him curating his own content, it's what actually made him extra successful. I, I gotta push back on that because I, so when you're talking about someone like Michael Jackson, you're talking about someone who has like 50 smash hits, right? Like we're not talking about like vanilla ice. Okay. So like someone who yeah. has consistency and like, let's talk about Drake or something like that. Right. Yeah. Drake just puts out a ridiculous amount of music compared to everybody else over the past. Like it's yeah. nobody's even close yeah. to what that man, but Russ is kind of close. He just puts out stuff. I guarantee you don't like 80% of Drake's songs. If let's say you like Drake and you like that, that you don't even know them or like them because they weren't, they didn't make it. They weren't good enough. They just kind of fell to the wayside, but no one remembers that. But everyone remembers, you know, God's plan. Everyone remembers, uh, you know, all the other songs that, you know, he made that are the hits. People, people don't even remember who lost the soup in the U.S., who lost the Super Bowl the year before. Everyone knows the winner. But you ask someone like who lost the World Series last year, people are, they think, they're like, yeah. that's a good question. That's a good question. Our short-term memory is astounding. And I yeah. think not putting your stuff out there is ego. And I think that, sure, you might be right and the market wouldn't like it. But 
I don't believe you're 100% right every time you don't put something out. And if you're not 100% right, and one of those were thriller, then you lost. Because one thriller and 100 missed hits is a wild success. It's like the stock market. Like, you you only need to pick, like Warren Buffett, you only need to pick a few. And then you just need to live a long time. Yeah. And then compounding just works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you're looking at it as, as a consumer. Um, I'm not sure how to think about it as the artist or as the creator, because it, for me, it feels like whenever I feel I build something as let's say a no code creator, if, if I'm not convinced with something, I'm just going to drop it because I'm not going to be motivated to do it. But if I build something that I feel it's really good. It's going to give me a lot of passion and purpose and stamina to keep growing. So that that's why I'm doing it. So curating, it's about, I think for me at least, finding where's my passion and where's my purpose. So I'm just going to work on whatever makes me happy, um, whatever makes me happy instead of working on something that I might think that might be good for something. That's the right strategy. So, for sure. I, I well, it's also, well, when you're putting your energy into something that you enjoy, A, you tend to be happier, which then B, leads to better actions that you conduct on a daily basis and healthier relationships. And then you put that energy into the world and better shit happens to you because you're happier and you give more. And in this world, as counterintuitive as it is, and as crazy as it sounds, the more you give, the more you get 100%. That's a fact. It's not the more you take, you would think the more you take, the more you get, right? Like if you just take it to take, you would take, yeah. you take as much as you want. The more you give, the more you get, but never ever give and expect something in return. That's not giving. That's totally different. But yeah. if you're doing what you love now, the, the thing is, you got to mix that with having a healthy relationship with time and understanding that, listen, your stuff might be good enough, but it might take 13 months for it to break. Or do you have the resiliency to stick with the passion? Or are you going to lose faith and be like, you know what? I'm right. I should have never have done this. And I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. 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 Definitely happens. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a tough debate. I guess it like every mind is every creator is just like so different and we get motivated to build by so many reasons. Um, hard to judge what's actually working for others. So let's just like, I feel like let's just like focus on whatever. Works like, do for you, you, right. And then just like keep building for whatever reason. Do you turn reasons. down jobs? Do people ask you to use something that you know you could do, but you don't? take it because, and let's say the, and let's say the money is the right yeah. price. So it's not financial. In fact, the money's good, but you don't like the project. Even yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. You turn it down. I, I, turned it, I turned them down because I, I just like, I'm not motivated to do so. Um, I'm like, luckily I've, I'm in a position where I get to work unemployable. on what <laughs> Yeah, like what I, I get to work on what I really like, uh, and I, I I feel like I get to decide on what to work. So how? So, so okay. Yeah. So for everyone listening, to provide some value, how do you be? How do you get to that place? That sounds amazing. Every like wow, you get to choose what you want to work on. You only work on the things you like. How did you get there? Um, curiosity, just like. Endlessly exploring my curiosity, and if I feel like I wanna learn something new, I just go for it and follow my curiosity, and and that's what I've been doing since day one. If I want to create a business around climbing t-shirts, <laughs> I'll just try it out. If I want to try something around crowdfunding, I'll go for it. If I wanna, your risk tolerance um, is high. I don't know, work for a company <laughs> like I list, yeah, like I'll just like do it. So. Yeah, just like for me, I've always been following my curiosity and trying to learn something new. And uh, let's see where it gets me. Don't really have a plan. 
besides keep following my curiosity. I don't think you should. How old are you? I'm 29. I'm 29. Like, I think the worst thing is when people ask like an 18 year old, what do you want to be the rest of your life? I think that is a, a, a actually bad question. Like, I don't think anyone should be having a plan at 30, like, to be honest. Like, yeah. And, and things evolve and yeah. technology changes and jobs that like exist in 10 years, you don't know of right now because they don't even have the technology to have it exist. Like you just don't know where the world's going. We're moving so damn fast. And people don't get that. And, um, so yeah. throw away the plan, do what you do. I think your advice is spot on and it's rare though. It's really rare what you have, which is you take action. You lead, by, like, like yeah. the, one of the quotes that I love, I'm obsessed since I read this, which is um, mood follows action. And I think that's mm. so fucking profound. And why do I think that? Because yeah. even myself, not anymore though but definitely for a majority of my life. And I see it now with everyone is you want to wait to feel, you know, really good before you do this thing, or you're going to wait till you get to feeling better. And then, then you're going to work on your project. No, 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 no. Work on your project and then you'll feel better. And you got it backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought that that was really profound, yeah. but yeah, you, you've taken so many, you, you've I taken like so many, action <laughs> so many chances and started so many things and you said most have failed how i guess how would you describe like the lows of maybe the end of some of those like the like as low as things got like like what's like you know the worst outcomes because you're still alive you're here you're happy and you're honest so you made it through so and you came out in a better place so i think it's important for people to know that with adversity and with pain, it has to balance the pain and pleasure literally biologically have to balance out. So people who actually experience more deeper pain have the opportunity to actually reach higher points of pleasure than people who don't like suffer trauma and stuff like that, but only if you can get through it, persevere. So can you give right. some, some context on that as much as you're willing to share? I, I feel for me, this works for me because I have a very risky personality. <laughs> I'm like, I, I love risk. I love risk, like both personally and professionally. I'm a, I'm a rock climber, like slackline, mountain bike, ski, like anything that gives me an adrenaline rush, I'll be there. So I, I feel like the same applies to building stuff. And, but why and aren't you scared? Anything else. So because the possible upside of having a good time is way higher than the possible downside and pain and bad moments. So I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for the upside and the happy moments and the lows will come, the pain will happen, but I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking, what, what if this works? What if this is fun? What if I enjoy this? So I always like focus on this. And for me, the more risk, the higher the possible outcome. So it's just like, okay, if this is risky, it's because it means something. It's because it's hard. And if it's hard, it's because it's fun. So if it's fun, it's because I'm going to enjoy it. So given my personality, it, it works for me. And the lows are not super low because it means like, okay, I'm just going to try it again. Let's try something more risky now. Um, but a but lot of people are not so risky. Most people, like, they're not like that. Do you see that? They're the opposite. Yeah, definitely. They fear. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. What would you tell them? Rather than. To, like to get to your place because you don't have that. And I, I think you're benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell something because I, I, I'm usually not in that place. So I, I don't even know how that feels like to like have so much fear to build something or to start something new. Um, but it's, it's like a muscle. You go to the gym or you exercise and then you just like get stronger in, with time and with so consistency. So like building stuff, it's the same. It's like going to the gym, but for your brain. So you just gotta gotta start somewhere, just like running half a mile. Or take or one step. Just like walking. 
yeah just like take one step like that's it you just like walk for five minutes and then you run a marathon or whatever in 10 years so it's it's the same it's like going to the gym like if if you take care of your body you also have to take care of your mind and that means you also have to think about building and creating and not not only execute but go from idea to execution and then your brain will start telling yourself that you are a maker that you are a creator that you can do it instead of watching people do it dude that's awesome i'm gonna clip that we are gonna that was good that was real good i'm telling you i think i mean yeah hopefully oh that was good I don't know how obvious it is for some people or how not obvious it is, but definitely not for everyone well, as well. I believe it's not obvious, not because of the individual many times. I think it's the lack of education. People don't know what's possible, what you can do now with no formal training. Like just people do not know. Like they don't know yeah. what like a stack by can do, what Airtable can do, what a what you web flow can like they just and the, and hey it's no fault of their own they're just not interested and obsessed with tools like i am per se right it's not like wrong but it's totally democratized in a huge huge way and you don't have to build platforms or anything like that but it enables you to uh have kind of seek the outlet like let's say you know you want to be a journalist you know now you can do that for zero dollars and make money on it with Substack or something like that, or, you know, review. And many people have and, uh, or start a podcast, which is really hard by the way. Um, and, uh, it doesn't have to be media either. It could be anything around with, like, if you love baseball, well, you don't need to be a baseball player. You could be a coach. Maybe you're not a coach. Maybe you work in the front office. Maybe you're on the business operations side, or maybe you're in, you know, like, think about a way that you could monetize what you're passionate about in some facet around it. Like, it doesn't have to be direct, you know? Just because you like to paint doesn't mean you sell or like sell paintings. Like, you can teach courses of painting. Like, there's, you know what I mean? And I don't think people think kind of that far. But that's so true. That's so true. I just wish, uh, I wish everyone had your mindset in the sense of like, do you know what fear feels like? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, of course. It's like all the time. You just learn to control it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, this is something I learned rock climbing. Um, cause I've been rock climbing for quite a, some years and something you learn after climbing a lot is that fear is never going to disappear. You're just gonna learn how to deal with it. And uh, like when, when someone is climbing, even professional climbers, I would say, and you ask them like, oh, so you're fearless? They say like, no, I like, I feel the fear. I just learned like how to gets control it before how games. to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how to, to enjoy it. So it's not about not feeling fear. It's just about how to deal with it and how to control it and then how to enjoy it at a certain point. So for some reason, I learned that while do you rock climbing how? or and then was it I like just, a, uh, accumulation of things accumulate like many years yeah accumulation it's not obvious at all you just like one day understand it just like it kind of like happens and, and one day when someone asks you and you have to think <laughs> about it it's like oh i actually feel it but i just go with it and it's almost going. like you know recognize you recognize but like you don't pay attention to it. yeah that's that's too much too much attention to it yeah you put so many reps, you know what because you know? yeah i guess at least in rock climbing and i guess in like any other extreme sport. sports that has adrenaline if you if you have way too much fear you're gonna stop and you don't you might not stop start because you like it True. Exactly. So you have to keep going because if not, you're going to stop or not start. And I I think like, what's the worst that can happen? I think that people think I've learned that or come to realize people's inner voices are really mean and not nice to most people. Like it tells them they can't do it. 
or, or they're not good enough. Why? I, I, I see it all the time. Like, everyone mm-hmm. doubt, like, oh, my art won't sell. Why won't, what, what do you mean? Why won't your, she's so much, like, no, you're, and it's like amazing or something. Like, I, I see it all the time, like, where these people are so talented and they think that they're, they, they're, they just, they, there's no chance that they can ever be successful in anything. I'm like, and they're literally amazing. And this, this is yeah. a common theme that I've seen in all my adult life. And I realized that it's an inner voice. It's that roommate inside or whatever that is they're, they're That's that inner voice is creating the fear, I think. And it's saying you're not good enough or no, like you think you're going to, or I'm going to go put this, uh, you know, and try this on, you know, post on Instagram. And then your inner voice goes, <laughs> you are, <laughs> you, you, who are, yeah, you're right. Hey. No one's going to buy that. But the thing is, is that I think I've come to learn something else, which is really interesting. Now this might not be true, but it seems to be true. And yeah. Hey, can I, can yeah. I interrupt you for a sec before I, I hear your thought? I was just reading here the chat and Pedro Vicente, who's listening to us, he, he wants to come in and ask something. Is um, he on? He's apparently enjoying the conversation. Yeah. Is that, is yeah, that doable? Is he in? Uh, let's see what he I can is. do. Yeah. We're going to bring in a guest speaker. Oh, here we go. So I can make next caller. Should I do it? But wait, how are we going to, how are we going to yeah. get on here? Um, oh, that's a good question. Oh, a good question. <laughs> I can repeat it or something. Here, should we take a question? Wait, wait, wait. I want to finish what I, with my last thought, which is, so we have yeah, a clean break, which is that fear that builds up inside of the end. People go through more pain through the anticipation of an event versus the actual event. Like thinking of how bad it's going to be or you know, oh, everything's going to go wrong and having anxiety leading up to it. Then actually the event, even if it goes bad, what leads up to it is way worse and stressful in the body and mind and all that stuff. And nine times out and and what I think is true, 10 times out of 10, not nine, 10 out of 10. If you go opposite of the fear, if you say, oh, you know, I fear, you know, going rock climbing, I'm never going to do it. And you do it. I think 100% of the time, if you counter, if you go the exact opposite of what your inner voice says, you'll make the right decision. I really, <laughs> I think it's true. Love it. Yeah. All right. We're going to try and get Pedro a car. Yeah. That's all right. I think it's true. I, 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 this is a recent thought that I've been kind of observing and thinking. Yeah. That's so true. All right. Let's see, Pedro. We're going to try and bring you on. I'm going to put you next to the mic. Now I wonder why we didn't. Now I wonder why we didn't do that very often. What? Do the, do what's opposite to the opposite. It's hard. Do what's opposite dude, to what it's we hard. Think Everything right. inside of you is telling you no, and if you do it, you're wrong, or like you're an idiot. Like it, it's a hard. Or maybe on top of that, you have people close to you that you're hanging out with that are also saying the same shit because they're not in a good place, and they're saying no, you can't do that. But they're really just saying that because they don't believe they can do their thing, so that no one can do their thing. So then they doubt you and that mm. compounds you doubting yourself. And so if you're surrounded by that and your inner voice is saying that, how do you counter it? Everyone's telling you you can't, you're telling yourself you can't. What in the world would make you think you can? Yeah. That's why you gotta yeah. surround yourself by just right. good people. If you don't have a good inner voice, mine's like delusionally optimistic. I don't know how that happened. So it's really great, but I feel so much empathy for the negative voices. And I think it's way more negative for most people. All right, Pedro, let's give you a shot. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, it's not a good experience. Pedro, are you on? All right, let's see. Can, can you put it by your mic, maybe? Mine's like, yeah, I can hear you. I'm going to mute mine, though. Hey, what's up, Pedro? I've been here listening for, for an hour. This is really interesting to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, thanks. Uh, by the way, thanks. Uh, John, I, I don't know, but uh, when people call, there is a special calling. 
call in. I'm not smart, Pedro. I apologize. That's why I've hacked on the call. I just wanted to say it was really interesting, and uh, I realized now that uh, I have no idea of the technologies that you were talking about. Guys, we're talking about C++. I worked with C++ and SQL, old school thing, kind of an old school thing, and uh, I realize now that I don't know anything. I don't know anything. That I'm interested. So, what exactly is no code? That's a great question, Pedro. Um, by the way, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Washington, D.C. Nice. Uh, nice. Um, you want to take this one? Go, you take it. I think that's, that's perfect Me? for you. Okay. Uh, I'm echoing, but... By the way, John, uh, when I, before I was on the call, I did took a look at your webpage. Really interesting. I'm also uh, an internet programmer, or uh, I do internet applications. I'm also interested in Web3. So Web1 and Web2 are easy to, to know where it is, static and Web2 kind of podcast and stuff like that. I really would like to know what is web three if you have time to explain. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Am I echoing on your side before I start, Hector? Am I just echoing in my own ear? No, I can No, I can hear you fine. Yeah. Um okay. So for anyone who didn't hear because it was a little soft, uh Pedro is um a software engineer, does C plus plus web development um, and claims now to have realized he knows very little about the world of no code and what's possible. And hey, first of all, I think that's like I was saying is totally, totally common. And it's not a, uh, a like a blame or a, oh, I should have known. Like, no, it's just, you know, the only people that know are psychopaths like myself that are just obsessed with tools and that's how I came across it, but I've been doing this for 12 years um, or however long. Um, however, then he asked about how Web3 plays into this. And Web3, uh, you could think of as crypto or blockchain, decentralization, DeFi, DAOs, um, decentralized autonomous organizations, things like that. And I believe that the intersection of no code and what is referred to as the creator economy and no code enables that, right? No, the intersection of no code and Web3 is what I refer to as the ownership economy. And that's a step up from the creator economy. And so, so the creator economy has enabled individuals or groups of people to make a living off of there, I'm going to put in quotes, art. I don't mean literally art uh, in the sense of, you know, drawing, painting, podcasting, like just whatever their art is, you know, whatever passion. And that's never been possible um, for many reasons. One, you would need to pay someone like you who knows C++ and all this stuff to even build the outlet. The internet didn't even exist for, you know, before the last 25 years. So that kind of just... You could forget everything prior to that. So we can stay from 95 to today. Um, Web 2 was mobile and basically everybody had or has a device in their pocket that is more powerful than what Ronald Reagan had to run the free world like 40 years ago or 50 years ago. And now that's getting into the hands of people all across the world who live in way different societies than most of us even know exist. And what I mean by that is, you know, people don't know what it's like to live in North Korea. There's not very much that gets out of there, right? From a media standpoint, people don't know that there's a lot of people, there are billions or hundreds of millions of people in this world that are stuck in situations like a lot in Africa because of 
you know, regimes that are corrupt, that like have an, that own this, not only the financial system, but there's no way to get out of, you know, kind of the, 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 the hands of these oligarchs and powerful people and, and, and governments, because this, like, for example, in Argentina, like everyone had their, you know, money in their banks. And then the next day, the government just took half of it out and you had, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, and then in America, we're seeing inflation that's bonkers and over 50% of the money that's in circulation was printed in the last two years. I mean, that's probably not good. And um, there's actually a great video, by the way, um, on YouTube uh, called, <clears throat> it's based on his book. It's the first chapter uh, with Ray Dalio, which is, um, uh, it's the rise and fall of, it's, it's like a cartoon of the first chapter, but the rise and fall of empires and the new world order, basically, and how this is so cyclical. And what we're going through now, like the world seems, at least to me, the world seems very chaotic 